Good afternoon. This is the Hermit of Lockyer. This is June the 3rd, 2022. It's a uh, rainy day here on the lake. I was going to go out and do some trout fishing this afternoon, but unfortunately the rain has returned. Today I'm going to be venturing into a topic that's very, very difficult, and it's a conversation about death and dying. And I don't know where this is going. I sit down and do these uh, podcasts ad lib, and usually it works out with timing. Uh, but if I get, I'm, I'm going to try to stay on t- on topic. But if I get bogged down, I may even make this a part two, a part one and part two. And I'll eventually we'll stop even saying any introduction. But I blog at jmichaeljoneswriter.com. And if you want to know my perspective, and I always like to know the perspective of people I'm listening to, it's hard to define. You can go to my webpage and try to figure out. But I like to raise controversial topics or new ways of looking at things, especially not always about Christianity, but um, it can sometimes be politics or more often philosophy. But I um, have mentioned before that I am a post-evangelical as of about 30 years. and I've done a lot of thinking. And in religion, most of what we end up believing has nothing to do with our sacred scriptures. And for the Christian, the Bible, um, or the Vedas for Hindu, or etc. But more to do with subculture. <clears throat> and when I left uh, evangelicalism, I left it because the evangelicalism I was involved with was a complete farce. And I really wanted to seek truth. And I mean classical truth in the Greek tradition of that which is consistent with reality. And it caused me to question so many things that I had been taught that was part of that subculture. So one of those things has to do with death and dying. And I've got several stories I want to tell today to illustrate this. And I think I may start out with some stories and then try to segue into a more substantive talk about uh, this this whole issue of death and dying. But I'll start out with just asking, you know, some things to think about. Most people, unless they have some scary chronic illness, um, don't think about death very much. They sort of put it out of their minds. They all hope that they will die in their 90s in their sleep. But the odds of dying in your sleep period is about 12%. So about 88% chance you will die aware uh I mean, if it happens quickly, car accident, something like that, you may not be too aware, but you'll see death coming. And I want to address that period of your life when you see death coming, because you don't, it's probably not even healthy to sit around thinking about death when you're healthy. Um, uh, but <clears throat> when there comes a time and a near death, and I've experienced that in the last few years, uh, sometimes the... Um, theology of that, of that gets really messed up, and that's what I'd like to address today. Well, I'm going to start. I'm going to tell a true story. I was in Nepal, uh, I think it was uh, in your 2020, I mean 2014, I think, um, and I was up on the Tibetan border with a group of medical workers. One of our doctors, I hate to tell this part of the story, uh, he's about in the 60s, infectious disease doctor, had the hots for this young intern that he brought with him. He's a married man. And he was sort of showing off of all his great knowledge in medicine. But unfortunately, due to his error, he um, caused the death of a 38-year-old Nepalese woman uh, who had tuberculosis, but he flooded her with so much IV fluids, he drowned her. I'll never forget this evening as long as I live. 
us medical workers were done for the day. We were in this tent, and this is a deep cavernous <laughs> uh, uh, canyon, like up in the Himalayas. And there's these narrow trails that go past, so you can't get past our tent without hugging it. So we're inside this white tent with lanterns. We're playing poker, drinking beer, um, and we just found out she died. So the family came to reclaim the body, and you can hear them wailing coming down the mountain. And they come up and they pick up her body, and they're actually carrying it out. And I was feeling heartsick, thinking that you know that someone in our group causes unnecessary death. And I'm thinking of the family and the children and the husband and the, probably her parents were still alive. This 38-year-old woman. But as they passed our tent, you could see the shadow somehow being. I think there's a fire outside or something that's making their shadow on the side of our tent, and they're just crying and crying. And this medical worker, not the same one that caused the death, um, said out loud, "said Oh, good grief! They're not good Buddhists if if they're taking it this hard." I was appalled, and right beside me was a Nepalese Buddhist who was、uh, sponsoring our group, and he just looked puzzled. And he said, "Well, first of all, these people in this village that she's from are not Buddhist; they're Catholic."、Um, and then she said, "Well, any good Catholic should know better than this." And, and she was an atheist,、uh, but it illustrated this 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 really weird thing about religion that when you try to create a、uh, Uh, an emotional way of dealing with something that's very, very difficult, and to think that this family should not be mourning or crying as they're carrying their mother, who they had no expectation she's going to die. They brought her to the clinic that day, expecting that that she would get better. And it brings me back to another,、uh, even a, a story further back. And I grew up in the Bible Belt, and their、uh, pretense religion is the norm. Everyone tries to act spiritual, even though in their private life they may have some, some pretty shady things going on. But the more spiritual you behave, the the <laughs> the higher you rank in the level of the subculture. But I remember this college student that I knew pretty well. She was I, I don't want to get into detail, but sort of a Dolly Parton looking、uh, person, a lot of makeup, a lot of big hair, and tried it. She always had this persona of being perfect in her looks. Um, not to say Dolly Parton is perfect, but you know what I mean.、Uh, and and her behavior, you know, would never say the word shit, or you know, you know what I'm talking about. Very uh, intense uh, behavioral patterns. Her father, who was 55, suddenly died. No, there was nothing to predict this. He suddenly died, and I felt really sad for Barbara. And I tried to to reach out to her. We didn't have cell phones in those days. But when I saw Barbara, she had this big, bright smile on her face, and I said, "How are you doing?" She said, "We're doing fantastic." And I said, "Really? Oh yes, we're having a party at our house tonight. We don't, we don't believe in funerals. We're having a party because Dad is now with Jesus." And I just it didn't fit right. It didn't feel right. Oddly, she asked me to. They had the party at a clubhouse、uh, with dr- not alcoholic drinks, of course, iced tea and. Cookout and a big party. Now I can understand celebrating someone's life and doing something like that. So I'm not speaking against that, but I'm talking about total denial of sadness. Her and her mother. But they asked me to babysit their house that night because they had heard that if you're having a funeral or if, this case a going away party, that、um, burglars are tend to break in your house. I don't know if that's true or not. I thought it was a really odd story, but I agreed to babysit their house. So they came in late. They were just like coming home from a 
a New Year's Eve party or something, just just happy as they could be, and and you know, oh no, we're not sad. Dad's with Jesus. And it, even then, although I was part of that subculture, uh, it hit me as something is not right. Something is not right in this approach to death. Now I'm I'm coming late with this podcast because um, uh, about six weeks ago I found out that my multiple myeloma, my cancer, is back, raging, and not that that has anything to do with me doing this broadcast on death and dying. I I plan on doing this even before, but it put it off for a few weeks as I've been navigating the healthcare world, trying to a world I used to work in, and trying to uh, set up the care I need. And now also I've been in a pretty intense chemotherapy for two weeks. That's sort of dragging me down. But anyway, uh, to to segue into my own personal story, I was a healthy person until 2019. And it's when I developed multi-myeloma. And I won't go into all the details, but it was quite a shock. My wife and I were uh, training to trek across Greenland. As I approached older age, I was 63 at the time uh, I wanted to be in the best shape of my life and suddenly I find myself in the emergency room and the doctors telling me my labs are so out of whack I had renal failure my potassium was so high she said it's a lethal level now and we're trying to bring it down but it's not coming down we need to have this talk good chance you're dying so our pastor came to the emergency room uh, I saying goodbye to my wife I was telling what I want in my funeral so this went on for two, three weeks before I got away from death's door, a lot of procedures, biopsies, tubes, put in my vena cave, all these things happening. And my, my kids all flew in from around the country to, and we said our goodbyes. It was very, very, very difficult, especially when you go from being healthy as a horse to in the hospital ICU saying goodbye to your family. And I, they didn't cry too much in front of me. I know they cried on their own, but I certainly cried. I couldn't stop crying. And the hospital uh, staff, this is another topic I could get into, but the emphasis at the beginning was you're dying. And it was a terrible message. And I kept saying, is there no hope? Is there no hope? And I think the insurance companies have done a little bit of that, of saying prepare for death. And the reason for that, uh, health insurance companies spend huge amount of money on end of life care. So they want people to sort of give up as soon as possible. And I'm serious about that. And so they've turned the whole hospital system into preparing you for death when there is some hope. I still have some hope. But going through that process of near death and then uh, 2019, uh, it was a very difficult year that I had to face, seriously face, and I won't talk about this here, uh, is it time to end my own life? Uh, Because uh, my life expectancy was 11 months and I was suffering without mercy. But coming to this thing of dying, um, as I said, only 12% of people die in their sleep. And, people, and, and a lot of people, again, those who are healthy, who don't think about death, they think, oh, okay, I'll live to be 96. They do the math. Matter of fact, I was with some friends the other day, and it's a little hard for me to listen to these conversations. But they're talking, oh, yeah, we're 65. We should, you know, we're looking at our family. We should live to 95. Um, and we're going to try to stay healthy. And I think, you know, you don't know. You don't know what tomorrow brings you, uh, that it can change the whole game. 
uh, but it's a little bit difficult. It's like someone who's lost a child, and they sit around a group of people who are talking about how wonderful little children are who who are alive. But only 3.6 percent of people lived age 90. If you start from age, if you start counting from age one, and one percent of people lived to age 96. Now my mother lived to be 96, and she was not that healthy. She was heavy, had high cholesterol, high blood pressure. Uh, my father died in his 70s from lung cancer. He's a heavy smoker. His sister, who was an insulin-dependent diabetic for 60 years, lived to she was 94. So it's very easy to get this false sense of security that you're going to live on and on. But again, I'm not suggesting that the right thing is that we need to think about our death and dying if we're healthy. I think it's probably a good thing not to think about that. You heard Karl Marx's words that religion is the opium of society. He didn't really say it that way. He said it in a more positive way. He didn't believe in religion, but he said religion can be the opium. And that, in those days, opium was not a bad thing. And of the people,、uh, a sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of our soulless condition. That's what Karl Mar Marx is. So he was saying on the existential basis that existentialism is a system of living that has no rational basis. I mean, that's a, that's a oversimplification. So Karl Marx is saying for the people, religion's probably a good thing. Uh, because it numbs them up to the realities of life,、um, and it, he's, he would say there's no basis to religion. So coming specifically to look at Christianity, and when I talk about Christianity,、uh, and if you don't know me, if you picked up this podcast、uh, from somewhere other than my website, and I know some people do,、uh, I'm not here to promote any particular church or agenda. I'm a very simplistic Christian person. I'm not a big fan of religion. I do ha have a church I belong to and attend because I really love the people very, very much, and that's the simple reason for that. But religion is a human uh, uh, institution, and most most people at this juncture would disagree with me. And probably everything I say in all my podcasts, <laughs> I'd be surprised if anyone agrees with anything that I've said, and that's okay. It doesn't bother me. When I was an evangelical,、uh, you had to believe exactly what we believed, or you were going to hell. And we would fight with people all the time. So it is nothing like that. But the way I approach this now is that the church, the Christian church, is dying a rapid death, and I think it's there's no way to change that. In the 90s, I thought I could, when I came back to Christianity, I thought I could change it, and quickly was proven I could not. But I see myself sitting in a tent at the back door of the church, the American church at least, and saying to people as they're leaving, "Just wait a minute. Here's a different way of thinking about this." And my only hope is that there's some people that would listen to that. I'm not trying to convert the masses. I'm not trying to get anyone to agree with me. I'm not trying to create a new、uh, movement or cult, or certainly not trying to promote myself. So, how do we approach death then from a biblical standpoint? I've heard、uh, many preachers、uh, refer to the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept,、um, is where Jesus was so angry at the humans because Lazarus had died, and they were taking it too seriously. So that's what made Jesus sad. I don't think so. And and to, to be honest, the Bible is very obscure in many areas, and this is just one area. But I reread it again today, and I really think Jesus. He makes it clear Lazarus is an example. He's using Lazarus as an example, 
that Jesus can conquer death. So Lazarus wasn't typical, he was atypical, but he was crying because Lazarus was dead. So one part of Christian theology that's often neglected is the fall. We like to cherry pick and pick things that uh, in our narcissistic minds that make us feel good, uh, that give, and especially throughout history, the church, the religion has always been seduced by power. And that's what's happening in the conservative side of the American evangelical church now. They're, they're seeking political power more than anything. And on the liberal side, they're trying to merge Christianity with Buddhism. And as I said before, I can respect the Buddhist and I can respect the Christian. I can respect an atheist. But when you try to merge two profoundly different viewpoints, you have to, the only thing you can do is sacrifice your aspiration for truth. And once you've asked, you sacrificed your aspiration of truth, then therefore you can have no opinion. So you can't talk about women's rights. You can't talk about racism. You can't talk about any of those things because you've given up your right for truth. So that was a little tangent, sorry. But coming back to the main topic. So looking at the Christian theology is that God created the universe in a perf perfect way and it is now broken. Now, I'll be quick to point out that Christianity has a lot of philosophical problems in the way it saw looking at the world, and I won't get into that. As does atheism, Buddhism, all of them have some problems somewhere. But this is a fundamental principle that's sort of unique to Christianity is that uh, the world that we live in is not right. And the, the number one thing that makes it wrong is death. Death is not natural according to the Christian uh, theology. Uh, it was not intended but it's a result of a broken world. For that reason, in a sanctuary at a funeral, if you had mixed groups of people, it should be the Christians crying the loudest, who are screaming, who are tearing their clothes, who are mourning with the authentic emotions that must appear when someone you love is dying or has died. Now, in the Bible Belt, you are really frowned upon for mourning too much because, oh, he's in a better place now. God's brought, God brought him to heaven. Um, and that's part of that nar narcissistic thing is thinking that God controls everything and everything is for a reason. In the fallen model of theology, uh, God is not in control of everything, not that he's weak, but because we live in a broken world. Therefore, death is part of that brokenness. Um, so in in this in a this church where there or in a building, say a funeral home where it's you know secular environment, the Christians should be the ones with the deepest mourning because death is so abnormal. It's so abnormal. It should break our hearts that we face death, and it should break our hearts that the people we love face death. Now it is true there is something else beyond death, and that's a topic of a different discussion. Uh, and the Bible is not clear about it. Uh, people like to claim it's clear. I really like what Jesus said on a cross to the, to the criminal who was dying beside him. I'll see you in the garden today. So there's something there. Uh, but th uh, the description of heaven that most people have is something from subculture. So that's my thoughts on death and dying. I, I still might think about it, but I want to add to this. Uh, but thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.